Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. Let not your heart be troubled. You are listening to the Sean Hannity Radio Show Podcast. All right, Mother's Day almost here, so deliver all the moms in your life a beautiful smile and bouquet at 1-800-Flowers.com. And right now, when you order a dozen multicolored roses for $29.99, well, our friends at 1-800-Flowers, they will give you another dozen plus a vase absolutely free. Just go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, put in my last name, Hannity. I cannot believe the times that we, as a country as a society now find ourselves living in here we really have only one story today and that is the president and it's the number of varying issues we're going to get into here how the president of the united states of america did the right thing as it relates to equal justice under the law our founding principles our constitution what justice is about and how a mainstream proven to collude with Hillary Clinton, uh, a media that never vetted Obama, a media that never told you the truth of his eight years of failure, and their tin hat conspiracy theories and the web of lies that they all continue to spin, and how the president has decided to do the right thing for the cause of justice in this country. It is, these are unprecedented times in the media. Let us not forget the proven collusion of the news media with Hillary Clinton and her campaign in this election. Proving collusion. Imagine if it was Donald Trump. Now, the White House put out today they've been considering firing Comey since day one. They wanted to give this guy a chance, which probably ended up being the wrong decision you know, so that's what you get for being nice in life, and we've learned an awful lot about that recently, haven't we? Now, I want to go through this, and I want to go through this slowly, and I want to go through through this in a way that you're going to understand, and I'm going to give you context and texture that I promise you're not going to get anywhere else. But as I said last night 
on television as this was unfolding. This is the first step by the president to actually drain the swamp. If we can get rid of the deep state and we can get rid of the leakers in the intelligence community and the maskers, you know, we will go a long way to fixing, which is a government that is now a bureaucracy now that is spiraling out of control. It's very, very dangerous, the times that we're living in here. Now, James Comey has, once you cut through all of the noise, all of the tin hat conspiracy theories, that the left won't tell you, the alt-left destroy Trump all propaganda media will never tell you, is that James Comey has now become, and what led to last night, a national embarrassment. He is beyond lucky the president gave him a chance at redemption. Well, he said nice things about him when he when he looked into Hillary. As I will point out this hour, the evidence of lawbreaking and felonies committed by Hillary Clinton are overwhelming. It's overwhelming evidence, incontrovertible evidence. The day that James Comey spoke for 13 straight minutes laying out a closing argument indictment, stinging rebuke indictment against Hillary Clinton. He even admitted extreme carelessness in the handling of classified information. Well, the legal definition of a crime and a felony is gross negligence. I'm sorry, extreme carelessness, gross negligence. Help me out. This is beyond Clintonian. But firing Comey was the only option if you believe in the rule of law in this country because Comey was stomping on the Constitution. Comey didn't care about the rule of law being applied equal justice under the law to every American. You know, we've now had how long have we been covering on this program our Fourth Amendment rights being trampled on, trampled on by a by rogue people in the intelligence agencies just going out there surveilling unmasking leaking intelligence james comey never cared about the one crime that actually happened as it relates to the surveillance issues and that was against general michael flynn and he did nothing and yet sally Yates, oh he never asked me about it how was that even possible When that is a violation of the Espionage Act. So he stood by silent on that issue. He's created a two-tiered justice system. You got one for the Clintons and one for everybody else. And that's the travesty. And that's what Comey should be embarrassed and ashamed of. If you want to start with facts, look at the facts. Hillary Clinton violated the law and put a private email server that she used to circumvent legitimate checks and balances and congressional oversight in the bathroom of a mom-and-pop shop. Hillary Clinton's server, fact, contained top-secret and special access program, which is the highest level of secrecy, information, classified information on that server. That is a felony. That is a crime. She also deleted over 30,000 emails claiming they were about yoga, wedding, a funeral, and and emailing with, with Bill Clinton, who doesn't have an email. Bill Clinton doesn't have an email. So she lied just like she lied about Benghazi. 
And then back in July, when he goes through this 13-minute indictment and makes the big announcement, he acknowledged all of these things were facts which are crimes. And he laid out the case against Hillary. And in an inexcusable and inexplicable way, 13-plus minutes, lets her off the hook. And then he completely ignored every single law that Hillary Clinton broke. Which, you you know, I'll get into here in a second. Nobody in the media in their coverage is telling you about these very, very pertinent and important facts as it relates to James Comey. And the fact that they ignore it is beyond any understanding that I have. Now, for example, there's rules and laws and violations and even the State Department policy, 2005, the Department's general policy, day-to-day operations conducted by authorized personnel, proper level of security to control, provide non-repudiation, authentication, encryption to ensure confidentiality, integrity, availability of the resident information the Department authorized, blah, 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 blah. Now, let's go through the laws here. Because President Obama even signed an executive order in 2009. Classified information may not be removed from official premises without proper authorization. Months after Clinton left office, a bulletin issued by the National Archives Record Administration set forth broad definition. Federal records clearly states all federal records must be retained. She didn't have the right. If we're talking about the law itself, you know, most criminal statutes, you know, There's no evidence that Hillary Clinton didn't know the law. Just the opposite. She sent out the same memo to her own staff when she was the Secretary of State. 18 U.S.C. 793. Doesn't require knowing or intentional disclosure or or mishandling of classified information. It prohibits the gross negligence in the handling of. You don't think a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet meets that standard? And then it goes on and, you know, for example, classified information, we know what that is, defined as which that at the time of the alleged violation specifically designated for reasons of national security in the United States. The material must have been classified at the time of the disclosure to be classified, et cetera, et cetera. We, That happened. That standard was met. Or the unauthorized removal. Well, if you put it in a mom and pop shop, bathroom closet, that's unauthorized removal and retention. Of classified material. Concealment, removal, mutilation, 18 USC 2071. Willfully, unlawfully, concealing, removing, destroying any record. 30,000 emails. Some of them were classified, it turns out. 18 USC 793, gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information. Okay. Then it goes on disclosure of classified information. Knowingly, willfully making classified information of the U.S. available to a person who's not entitled to receive it. Anthony Weiner? Anybody? Unauthorized disclosure of information. Do you know that we've now confirmed 99% certainty that five at least foreign intelligence services tapped in and, and got her classified information? False statements on, oh, we can go on and on. But the media doesn't care. They're still embroiled in their own minds in a Russia conspiracy, even though James Clapper, Admiral Rogers, James Comey himself all said it doesn't exist. Never happened. 
If you did anything similar to what Hillary Clinton did just on the email server alone, you would be perp walked, fingerprinted, mugshot, and rotting in a jail cell. Comey proved himself to be, in the end, nothing but a political hack and would not deliver equal justice under the law. Now, I don't know if it's because he thought Hillary was going to win, you know, but what I only what I do know is in the third year of his term. I'm not even talking about the Clinton Foundation pay to play and, you know, the fact that the foundation raked in millions. Hillary Clinton signed off personally on 20 percent of America's uranium, you know, the foundational materials to make nuclear weapons. They're in the hands of Vladimir Putin. She signed off on it. All the people in Canada and the in surrounding that deal donated millions of the Clinton Foundation. And then Bill doubled his speaking fees in Moscow. You want a Russia conspiracy? There's a real one. Just like she, you know, you donate to the Clinton Foundation and you're the Saudis and women are oppressed and brutally beaten and told how to dress and they can't travel and they can't drive a car and gays and lesbians are put to death and Christians and Jews are persecuted. As long as you give her money, she's not going to criticize you. That was corrupt, too, but not law-breaking. Clintons line themselves with millions of dollars. She's Secretary of State. She signs off on 20% of our uranium going to Vladimir Putin in the Uranium One deal. James Comey, the destroyed Trump media, the radical left, they sit on the sidelines. And then, of course, the egregious headlines about our Fourth Amendment rights. Mike Flynn, okay, he was incidentally picked up. His future counterpart, Russian ambassador, foreign surveillance, that's fine. They didn't use minimization. They unmasked him. And then they ended up leaking the information. He lost his entire career. And now you got a bunch of people that want to put him in jail. For what never should have been released, period. And we don't have Fourth Amendment rights. And what did the incompetent Comey did? Nothing. Nothing. He didn't even investigate. We don't even know if he ever started an investigation in the Clinton Foundation. In his letter, firing letter, the president revealed... Comey told him three on three separate occasions he's not being investigated as it relates relates to Russia. Tin foil hat conspiracy theories, NBC, where last night it was said by Chris Madden, the whiff of fascism. That's how sick, twisted, ugly, distorted, full of lies, misinformation and agenda driven media is today. It's so despicable beyond the pale, beyond anything I've ever seen or expected in my life. I'm going to lay out facts for you that nobody else is giving you. We're going to go over the law. We're going to go over previous firings, the power to fire. We're going to examine the letter of why it is the president made the decision from the office of the deputy attorney general, who two weeks ago, an Obama appointee, was voted vote of confidence 94 to 6. We'll go over how the Democrats hated Comey, too, and wanted him out. Well, now they love him. Apparently. All right, Mother's Day is just around the corner. The countdown clock is now ticking. Now, don't miss the opportunity to deliver a huge smile that only comes from 1-800-Flowers.com. Now, this Mother's Day, 1-800-Flowers has beautiful bouquets guaranteed to show all the moms in your life just how much you appreciate them. And right now, when you order a dozen multicolored roses for just $29.99, well, 1-800-Flowers will give you another dozen plus a vase absolutely free. Now, that's 50% off the original price. Roses from 1-800-Flowers are always picked at their peak. They're shipped overnight to ensure maximum freshness and a dozen multicolored roses, only $29.99 plus another dozen and a vase 
for free. It's an amazing offer. Now, celebrate all the moms in your life with 1-800-Flowers.com to order a dozen multicolored roses plus an extra bouquet and a vase for just $29.99. It's real simple. Go to 1-800-Flowers.com, click on the radio icon, and put in my last name, Hannity. 1-800-Flowers.com, promo code Hannity. Hurry, this offer ends Thursday. going to tell well, we got Newt Gingrich weighing in on this today. We also have House Budget Committee Chairman Diane Black. We got Jay Sekulow. We got jo- Joe DeGeneva, Victoria Tunzing. They're like the only people in America that understand the depth and magnitude of what we are talking about here. The president revealed in the letter that on three separate occasions, James Comey's, oh, he's not being investigated. We also have tapes of people saying, oh, no, the president, there's, there's no problem. There's no Russia collusion, no evidence of it. How is it possible that the media continues to advance this lie? Same with the New York Times today, printing more fake news that Comey was fired over Russiagate. Same with Politico. They just make this crap up as they go. If you have the evidence, give it to us. In the interim, why don't you go after the real crimes that were committed? And that is Hillary violating up to 16 or 17 laws with the private email server taken off of the property, hidden in a mom and pop shop bathroom with classified, top secret, special access program information or the surveillance incidental as it is unmasking and leaking of intelligence on General Flynn. Or if you really care about a scandal... Well, by the way, that gets bigger because we're now knowing that in the year 2016, the biggest story I think that we'll ever get into, and we'll get to the bottom of it, is the widespread surveillance of conservatives, Republican politicians, presidential candidates, the Trump campaign, the Trump transition team, by the NSA under the guise of looking out for the security of this country. By the way, not the whole intelligence community, just a very small few at the top. I want to know what Clapper knew. I want to know what Brennan knew. I want to know what Valerie Jarrett knew. I want to know what Susan Rice knew and Ben Rhodes knew. I want to know what Obama knew. But, of course, the media won't ask those questions. So you've got real substantive scandal, real crimes committed. Comey set up a two-tier justice system. One for the rest of us, one for Hillary Clinton. The media's only reaction is to go forward with more conspiracy theories with zero evidence from the beginning. And we're ignoring all the other crimes potentially committed with the Clinton Foundation, with General Flynn, and much more. We'll explain as we continue. All right, so I have insomnia, but I've never slept better. And what's changed? Just a pillow. It's had such a positive impact on my life. And, of course, I'm talking about my pillow. I fall asleep faster. I stay asleep longer. And now you can, too. Just go to MyPillow.com or call 800-919-6090. Use the promo code Hannity. And Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, has the special four-pack. Now, you get 40% off two MyPillow premiums and two go-anywhere pillows. Now, MyPillow is made here in the USA, has a 60-day unconditional money-back guarantee and a 10-year warranty. 
Go to MyPillow.com right now or call 800-919-6090, promo code Hannity, to get Mike Lindell's special four-pack offer. You get two MyPillow premium pillows and two go-anywhere pillows for 40% off, and that means once those pillows arrive, you start getting the kind of peaceful and restful and comfortable and deep healing and recuperative sleep that you've been craving and you certainly deserve. MyPillow.com, promo code Hannity. You will love this pillow. All right, 25 now till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. But you got to understand what's going on here. you got a media purposely fixated and focused. Now, part of this is actually funny because I don't see it going anywhere, and they're not paying attention to what truth and reality is as they continue to advance the Russia conspiracy. I just ask you a very simple question. What evidence has been presented? If you have it, give it to me. You may want to give it to James Clapper and whatever beach James Comey is on, maybe send it to him. Or, and the same thing with Admiral Rogers. And I'm going to play all of this for you tonight. You know, it just takes so long. I just, I, I just need to remind you, you know, if you want to go back and you want to look at the crisis of confidence and the FBI's poor decision making here, I, you know, it's, this is not, I'll give you one example. In the case of Rod Rosenstein, he's the deputy attorney general. Did you know that he was an Obama appointee? Did you know a couple of weeks ago, 94 to 6, the Senate had faith and confidence in the guy that wrote the memorandum for the attorney general? Do you realize when he says the FBI's reputation and credibility have suffered substantial damage and that it has now affected the entire Department of Justice? And that he goes on to speak about, I cannot defend the director's handling of the conclusion of the investigation of Secretary Clinton's emails. And I do not understand his refusal to accept the nearly universal judgment that he was mistaken. And that almost everyone agrees the director made serious mistakes. It's one of the few issues that unites people of very diverse perspectives. I'll get to that in a second. Do you realize what the director did in usurping the attorney general, then Loretta Lynch's authority, July 5th? Remember that? And went out there and announced his conclusion that the case should be closed without prosecution. Remember that the legal standard talks about gross negligence. And he acknowledged for 13 minutes that extreme carelessness. Well, what is extreme carelessness if not gross negligence? Negligence. Extreme carelessness, gross negligence are the same thing. So it does reach the standard that the law demands. And this is where we get to equal justice under the law. This is where we get to a two-tier justice system. That there's a well-established, you know, for example, what the FBI director, he is never empowered to supplant federal prosecutors and assume command of the Justice Department like he did on July 5th, 2016. That there's a well-established process for other officials to step in when any conflict requires the recusal of an attorney general who never should have been on an airplane with Bill Clinton in the lead-up just days before her decision about his wife. That's That's not what the process is. He doesn't get to take over the Department of Justice the way he did. Director announced his own conclusions about the nation's most sensitive criminal investigation without any authorization of duly appointed Justice Department leaders. None. In compounding the error, the director ignored 
the other longstanding principle that you don't hold press conferences releasing derogatory information about the subject of a declined criminal investigation. That's what Democrats were, were angry about. The director laid out his version of the facts. It, it's like it was a closing argument. As Rod says, Rod Rosenstein in this piece, a memorandum for the attorney general. Like it was a closing argument without a trial. Textbook example, he says, of what federal prosecutors and agents are taught not to do. In response to questions, skeptical questions of a congressional hearing, the director defended his remarks. Well, the goal was to say what was true. What, What did we do? What did we find? What do we think about it? But the goal of a criminal investigation is not to announce your thoughts at a press conference. The goal is to determine whether there's sufficient evidence caused to justify a federal criminal investigation and allow a federal prosecutor who has authority delegated by the attorney general to make a prosecutorial decision. This wasn't his call. And then a prosecution is warranted. Let the judge and the jury determine the facts, not James Comey. You know, sometimes information is released in investigations, he points out, but the FBI doesn't. That's not their job. And his letter to Congress, October the 28th, just before the election, the FBI director again cast his decision as a choice between whether he would speak about the FBI's decision to investigate the newly discovered Wiener emails or conceal it. And he's, Rod points out in this letter, conceal is a loaded term. It misstates the issue. When federal agents and prosecutors quietly open a criminal investigation, we're not concealing anything. We're simply following longstanding policy that we refrain from publicizing non-public information. In that context, silence is not concealment. Then he goes on in his letter to the attorney general. My perspective is shared by former attorney generals and deputy attorney generals from different eras and both political parties. And he cites Judge Lawrence Silberman served as the deputy attorney general under President Ford, writing that it's not the bureau's responsibility to opine on whether a matter should be prosecuted. And Silberman believes that the director's performance, quote, was so inappropriate for an FBI director that he doubts the bureau will ever completely recover. Jamie Gorlick from the Clinton era, deputy attorney general under Clinton, joined with Larry Thompson, deputy attorney general under President George W. Bush, hardly political bedfellows, opining the director had, quote, chosen personally to restrike the balance between transparency and fairness, departing from the department's traditions. They concluded that the director violated the, his obligation to preserve, protect, and defend the traditions of the department and the FBI. Mike Mukasey, another former attorney general under George W. Bush, observed the director, quote, stepped way outside his job in disclosing the recommendation in that fashion because the FBI director doesn't make that decision. Alberto Gonzalez, also a former attorney general, called the decision an error in judgment. When did Gonzalez ever agree with Eric Holder? Deputy attorney general under Clinton, attorney general under Obama, who said the director's decision was incorrect. 
He said it violated longstanding Justice Department policies and traditions, and it ran counter to the guidance that I put in place four years ago, laying out the proper way to conduct investigations during an election season. It goes on, Holder concluded that the director broke with those fundamental principles, negatively affected public trust in both the Justice Department and the FBI. You can't get a, a broader spectrum here of people from both parties and political points of view. And Gerlich and Thompson described the unusual events as real-time, raw-take transparency taken to its illogical limit, a kind of reality TV of federal criminal investigation that is antithetical to the interests of justice. Do you know how profound it is people in those former positions are saying this about an FBI director? It is profound. No one in the media is pointing this out. Nor nor are they pointing out that the guy that wrote the memorandum to the attorney general was an Obama appointee. Obama U.S. attorney, Maryland, that the Senate passed on 94 to 6. And I can go on from here. This precedent set by the FBI director. I'm not even getting into some of the other issues involving Comey that exist out there. You know, like before the Boston Marathon, the FBI interviewed the, the Sarnev brothers, or one of the Sarnev brothers. Then they let him go to Russia. And, and then, I'm sorry, Russia, they let him go, and then Russia sent the Obama administration a second warning. They didn't investigate him. Or that shortly after the NSA scandal exploded in 2013, the FBI was exposed conducting its own data mining on innocent Americans and retaining the materials for decades. Well, the FBI had in their possession emails by Nadal Hassan saying he wanted to kill his fellow soldiers to protect the Taliban. They didn't intervene there either. Comey was at the FBI at the time. Leading critics to argue the tragedy resulted in the death of 31 Americans. Fort Hood could have been prevented. Or during the Obama administration... You know, there's so many other things. During the investigation of Hillary's mishandling of classified information, the FBI made the unusual deal. Remember, Clinton aides were given immunity and allowed to destroy evidence. Their laptops. I mean, it is it is beyond the pale. Now, there are some great articles about this. Michael Goodwin, the New York Post, Wall Street Journal, I thought had a good one today. Joe DeGeneva is going to join us. He actually said he's so self-centered, so full of himself. God only knows what he's going to say. If he's smart, he said, which I'm sure he's, he is, he would disappear for a while, but I'm not sure he has it in him. What he may do is make common cause with the Democrats to try and save his reputation. Did the FBI chief lie to the Congress about the Hillary email probe? No, great piece out by Paul Sperry. You know, if you look at everything that is laid out here, it's not the function of the director to, to make these announcements and 11 days before the election what he did now if you want to get political here because of course democrats are all about politics um the people that seem to despise comey the most were people like chuck schumer i do not have confidence in him any longer he said in november and went on to call for comey's letters to congress etc etc the anthony weiner emails or Nancy Pelosi. Maybe he's not right in the job. No Representative Walsh of Minnesota. I no longer have faith in him. 
Some of the things that were revealed in the classified briefing, my confidence has been shook. Or Adam Schiff, Schiff, kidding, criticizing Comey's disparate treatment of Trump and Hillary during the campaign in 2016. Comey failed to justify his actions. And it goes on from there. You know, just listen to some of these Democrats. I'm sure a lot of you may be asking what this new email story is about and why in the world the FBI would decide to jump into an election with no evidence of any wrongdoing with just days to go. I am sure they will reach the same conclusion they did when they looked at my emails for the last year. There is no case here. We're asking the FBI director, okay, you violated these two protocols. If you put out kind of a, a, a letter and then had to do a second letter to kind of backtrack, you owe the public full information. That kind of an ambiguity bomb this close to election was a terrible lapse in judgment. Well, it's obvious he was a partisan in all this. Comey. Yeah, part of Comey, yes. It's obvious. There's information out there. He had it, I'm confident, and he ignored it. One of the biggest mysteries that people think exists why didn't he do something? No, there's no mystery to me. I agree with Eric Holder. I think here, um, Director Comey made a great mistake. We, we all make mistakes, but this is a great mistake. Uh, Mr. Comey, who, you know, Democrats supported um, when he came in, he has a wonderful record in the past, has really not just leveled an October surprise, I call it an October betrayal of long-standing FBI protocol and Department of Justice protocol that you don't weigh in with something like this a few days away from an election. My confidence in the FBI director's ability to lead this agency has been shaken. When uh, the director of the FBI, Mr. Comey, uh, released that letter two Fridays ago, he became the leading Republican political operative in the country, wittingly or unwittingly. Wittingly or unwittingly, what he did was wrong. So this is like a Molotov cocktail just thrown into a very explosive arena. Shouldn't have done that. They hated him. Now they're their biggest defender. Such a lie. Senator Blumenthal, Connecticut, asked Comey if he had any regrets in announcing last July that the FBI had closed the Clinton investigation and then it, in his October 28th letter saying the FBI was taking additional steps. He said, the only thing I regret is answering the phone when they recruited me to be the FBI director and I was living happily in Connecticut. He said with laughter. Wow. Pretty interesting. I guess he doesn't like his job. And I would say, and by the way, Senator Burr and some other people, I mean, they're, they're so clueless about the law and what is really in play here and what is really at stake here. I'm sure a lot of you may be asking what this new email story is about and why in the world the FBI would decide to jump into an election with no evidence of any wrongdoing with just days to go. I am sure they will reach the same conclusion they did when they looked at my emails for the last year. There is no case here. 
why we're asking the FBI director, okay, you violated these two protocols. If you put out kind of a, a, a letter and then had to do a second letter to kind of backtrack, you owe the public full information. That kind of an ambiguity bomb this close to election was a terrible lapse in judgment. Well, it's obvious he was a partisan in all this. Comey. Yeah, part of Comey, yes. It's obvious. There's information out there. He had it, I'm confident, and he ignored it. One of the biggest mysteries that people think exists, why didn't he do something? No, there's no mystery to me. I agree with Eric Holder. I think here, um, Director Comey made a grave mistake. We, we all make mistakes, but this is a grave mistake. Uh, Mr. Comey, who, you know, Democrats supported um, when he came in, he has a wonderful record in the past, has really not just leveled an October surprise, I call it an October betrayal of long-standing FBI protocol and Department of Justice protocol that you don't weigh in with something like this a few days away from an election. When uh, the director of the FBI, Mr. Comey, uh, released that letter two Fridays ago, he became the leading Republican political operative in the country, wittingly or unwittingly. Wittingly or unwittingly, what he did was wrong. So this is like a Molotov cocktail just thrown into a very explosive arena. Shouldn't have done that. I told the president, Mr. President, with all due respect, you are making a big mistake. This is part of a deeply troubling pattern from the Trump administration. They fired Sally Yates. They fired Preet Bharara. And now they fired Director Comey, the very man leading the investigation. Comey was not fired because of Hillary. Comey was fired because of the Russians. Uh, the timing makes this, I think, entirely clear. Even with the misgivings I had about the director, um, the fact that this president and this attorney general uh, have made this decision uh, harkens back, I think, to uh, some of the decisions that were equally tainted by President Nixon. Well, we are trying to make it very clear that this country could be careening towards a constitutional crisis. The President of the United States yesterday just fired the investigator who was leading an investigation into the relationship between the Trump campaign, the Trump transition team, and the Russian government. Well, the biggest problem, as I said last night, it's, it, because it is Nixonian in this sense, the president had opportunities if he felt strongly about Director Comey and what he had done in 2016, and that, that's certainly open for debate. Certainly now, to use that action as a reason to fire Director Comey absolutely defies credibility, and it is a brazen, craven attempt, in my view, to stifle the rule of law and an ongoing investigation that has the president of the United States as a potential target. Yeah, Mr. President, why did you Thank fire Director Comey? Why did you fire Director Comey? Because he wasn't doing a good job, very simply. He was not doing a good job. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity shows. We stick with our top story of the day. The president rightly firing the FBI director, James Comey. The president saying yes, because he wasn't doing a good job. The vice president saying that the president put the safety and security of the American people first by firing Comey. Then, of course, we got Democrats. They rip Comey in their montage. Of course, Hillary Clinton and Tim Kaine and Adam Schiff and Harry Reid and Elijah Cummings and Barbara Boxer and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer. All of them did. 
all of them have. Anyway, joining us, two of the best, brightest D.C. attorneys. They have been around the block fighting these battles for years. Joe DeGeneva and Victoria Tunsing. They are the founders of the Washington, D.C. law firm, DeGeneva and Tunsing. Uh, welcome both of you to the program. Joe, we'll start with you. To me, there was no option, no choice here. I think the president had this right. If anything, he showed more patience than he ever needed to show. Yes, the president was magnanimous when, after uh, inaugural day, he decided to give Jim Comey a chance to restore the credibility of himself and the FBI. And Comey failed miserably uh, as a res- result of a series of testimonies on Capitol Hill and uh, interviews that he gave. He proved conclusively that he was incapable of reining in his substantial ego, his self-righteousness, and his desire to self-aggrandize. And after that testimony last week on Capitol Hill, where he doubled down uh, on his uh, July 5th news conference, charging and exonerating Hillary Clinton in the email server scandal. That was the end of it. Uh, They gave Rod Rosenstein a chance to do the evaluation, uh, not, you know, someone who was respected and had just been confirmed by the Senate. I think it was 96 to 4. And uh, all of a sudden, the Rosenstein analysis, according to the Democrats, is uh, is all phony. But bottom line was Comey was a very, very disturbed man, in my opinion. I think he had lost it. And I think the president. It's very funny because I I said that last night, Joe, there's something that is so off in this. And as much as is crazy, insane vacillation and shifting and and almost he seemed incapacitated in in doing what was right, making a decision and and applying the law equally to everybody. (laughs) Well, it was classic narcissism. It was all about him. Uh, You watched his testimony last week, and he was bemoaning, oh, this has been so hard on me, and uh, I'm mildly nauseous. All of this stuff. Can you imagine J. Edgar Hoover ever giving testimony like that? I mean, this this was nonsense. And in fact, uh, you know, you you get six psychiatrists to do a take on that, and it's going to be pretty ugly stuff. The White House got one look at that and said, this guy is nutso. He's got to go. Victoria, I'd love to get your... Yeah, go ahead, Victoria. Sean. No, but the interesting thing is, it's, you know, the good thing about Donald Trump is he wants to drain the swamp. The bad thing is he's never lived in the swamp like we have. And there are all kinds of us, all kinds of us around the house saying you should get rid of him. And he didn't listen to people. Yeah, hang on. We'll get back to you. we got to get a, a better – obviously, you guys, I know you're in the same law company and in the same household and in the same family, but obviously not on the same line or probably not even in the same location, I'm guessing. Joe, let me let me go back to this letter that was released by Rod Rosenstein because this is really important. I mean, this is an Obama appointee. This is an Obama choice here. This is a lifelong respected individual. Obama made him a U.S. attorney, I believe, of Maryland. And when he goes on and he says, I can't defend the director's handling of the conclusion Mm -hmm. of the investigation of Secretary Clinton's emails, and I don't understand his refusal to accept the nearly universal judgment that he was mistaken. What laws do we know are broken here? I put a number of them up on the screen last night. Oh, well, you know, uh, Sean, you you did this a long time ago when you did your master list of laws that had been broken by the Clinton campaign and by Hillary and her entourage, and it's endless. I mean, it's, uh, you know, classified information laws, espionage laws, uh, obviously, I mean, just, just, just endless. So the Comey's problem was that he wanted to be a savior. He wanted to be somebody who would come to the rescue of the Democratic candidate. And in order to do that, in order to inject himself into the center of this process, 
he had to take control of it. And that's why he usurped the functions of the attorney general. It is. It really is. He did usurp that, and that was in the letter as well. Victoria, I know we, we lost you. You had a bad phone line. I, I, I didn't, go back to your original comments because we didn't fully hear you. Yes, I said the good thing about somebody not living in the swamp is that that's a person who, can, who has the ability to clean it out. But the bad thing is they don't always know who the alligators are. And all of us in Washington, D.C. knew that Comey was not a good FBI director. And we all knew it after last July and, and October. <laughs> we all sent messages to the White House, get rid of Comey. And he didn't listen to, to the people. He's got to learn to get rid of the holdovers. He shouldn't have kept Sally Yates. You don't keep the Democrat deputy attorney general and make her acting attorney general while you've got all this kind of uh, chaos going on. How many deep state holdovers do we have now? How many unfilled positions are there, you know, now five months into the administration? Way too many, and they don't seem to appreciate that, that you need to have your people in place to run it because the campaign ran very lean. We know. We worked with it. Very lean. But you can't run government lean when you're trying to turn it around. Well, and if we don't get rid of these holdovers, here's the other big question I have, Joe, is how is it possible that Hillary Clinton is able to go out there, put an email server in a mom and pop shop, bathroom closet, put classified special access program information on it, and all of this is a a violation of law. We can run through the, the varying violations in a second. but And then we never follow through. She never gets in trouble. How does she get money? She actually personally signs off 20% of America's uranium going to Vladimir Putin. If you want a, a Russia conspiracy, isn't there one there? And that her foundation got millions and millions from the people involved in that deal. Her husband ends up getting double his normal speaking fee in Moscow. How does that get pushed aside? It got pushed aside because James Comey wanted to push it aside. I I hate to say this because I've heard all these people say nice things about James Comey. I don't think there's anything nice about James Comey. I think James Comey, I said this the other night, he he was and is the most dangerous man in America. He had to be removed from office because he was politically corrupt. He wanted a political result for the investigation. He wanted to exonerate Mrs. Clinton, and therefore he refused to use the grand jury. He didn't issue search warrants. He didn't issue subpoenas. They granted immunity to people who never should have been granted. Oh, and they got to destroy their laptops. When did that ever happen in the history of justice? it, it, It was the most corrupt federal criminal investigation in history. James Comey shamed himself. He shamed the FBI and his sophomoric explanations of why they conducted the investigation that way were an embarrassment to the FBI. You and I and, and Victoria, I think, are the three loudest voices, and Jay Sekulow, probably another one, and New Kingrich, another yeah. one, and I'm watching a media with tin foil hat conspiracy theories going on a mile a minute. All right, both of you stay right there. Victoria and, and Joe, 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. Making America first, safe, and great again. This is the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue our top story of the day, a story that the media is not going to tell you, and of course that is the real reason James Comey was in fact fired by the, the president last night. Let's get into 
the Michael Flynn issue, the gov- uh, the General Flynn issue, because we know he was surveilled, and I'll grant you probably incidentally, I believe that's true. But then, of course, they unmasked him, and one has to ask why. One also has to ask why there's so much other unmasking of Americans going on at an accelerated rate, as we now know, in this presidential election cycle, 2015 and 16. And then, of course, it's leaked into the media in the Washington Post, and we know that this is a crime. With all the talk and the tinfoil conspiracy theories on NBC and ABC and CNN and the New York Times, we only know for sure of one crime, and that was against General Flynn. And we heard this week Sally Yates say, Victoria, that she'd never been asked by James Comey about the one crime we know took place. Well, here's one of the problems, Sean, and it's that Republicans do not know how to message. Remember that hearing um, where it was Clapper and Yates? The Democrats, every single one of them, talked about the the conspiracy with the, the Russians and the collusion with the Russians. Every single one of them asked for an independent investigation. The Republicans were all over. They had a pudding with no theme. Well, it was almost like last night. I'm I'm watching some of the messaging, and the Democrats are on message within 30 seconds, and Republicans were all over the map, and they they seem ill-prepared as usual. Thank you, John McCain and Richard Burr. Yeah, exactly. I mean, and how could—how is it—look, I take this very seriously. If the rule of law—if we don't have equal application of the law to every human being, and we have a two-tiered justice system, one for the Clintons and one for the rest of America— we don't have a constitution that is worth anything. Is that an overstatement, Joe? No, and I think that one of the great shames of James Comey's tenure, particularly near the end here, was his refusal to deal with the criminal conduct involved in the leaks. I think it is appalling that he sat there and pretended not to be concerned about those leaks and to literally poo-poo the unmasking and the lying about the unmasking, and then the criminal revelation of the contents of the speech of of the phone calls. In addition, he didn't have a word to say about the criminal release of the phone calls of the President of the United States with foreign leaders shortly after he took office. I, I think that James Comey had gone not only to the dark side, but he'd gone to the other side. He'd become a partisan. He'd be, first of all, he, he hated Donald Trump. Anybody who lives in New York knows that Comey could not stand Donald Trump. As I said, Comey thinks he's the last righteous man in America. And he thought awful things about Donald Trump. And that's why he was such a danger, because he couldn't be fair. He couldn't be honest. And that's why he didn't want to investigate the leaks, because that would put in, this, in, the, in the crosshairs of the Bureau, not Donald Trump. But the people in the deep state who wanted to destroy Donald Trump and and uh, Comey was fine with dis- destroying Trump. Well, he was perfectly OK with that. I, I tell you what, I got to take a break. If you guys have a few more minutes, I'd like to hold you over. And we're going to bring our friend Jay Sekulow from the American Center for Law and Justice into this, uh, who was great on TV tonight. I mean, the only people that seem to understand is very limited number of people now that understand the magnitude of and the importance of what the president actually did yesterday. And. 
the media running so wild with their conspiracy theories, speculation, and not supporting equal justice under the law is is beyond frightening to me. And we will have full coverage of this. More with Jay. Uh, I'm sorry, more Jay Seculo, Joe DeGeneva, Victoria Tunsing, three of the biggest brightest, smartest legal minds in the country when we come back. And our news roundup information overload also coming up straight ahead. I've lived my whole life caring about the credibility and the integrity of the criminal justice process, that the American people believe it to be and that it be, in fact, fair, independent, and honest. And so what I struggled with in the spring of last year was how do we credibly complete the investigation of Hillary Clinton's emails if we conclude there's no case there? The normal way to do it would be to have the Department of Justice announce it. And I struggled as we got closer to the end of it with the, a number of things that had gone on, some of which I can't talk about yet, that made me worry that the department leadership could not credibly complete the investigation and decline prosecution without damage to the American people's confidence in the, in the justice system. And then the capper was, and I'm not picking on the, the Attorney General, Loretta Lynch, who I like very much, but her meeting with President Clinton on that airplane was the capper for me. And I then said, you know what, the department cannot by itself credibly end this. The best chance we have as a justice system is if I do something I never imagined before, step away from them and tell the American people, look, here's what the FBI did, here's what we found, here's what we think. And that that offered us the best chance of the American people believing in the system that it was done in a credible way. That was a hard call for me to make, to call the Attorney General that morning and say I'm about to do a press conference and I'm not going to tell you what I'm going to say. And I said to her, I hope someday you'll understand why I think I have to do this. But look, I wasn't loving this. I knew this would be disastrous for me personally, but I thought this is the best way to protect these institutions that we care so much about. Finally, with respect to our recommendation to the Department of Justice, in our system, the prosecutors make the decisions about whether charges are appropriate based on evidence that the FBI helps collect. Although we don't normally make public our recommendations to the prosecutors, we frequently make recommendations and engage in productive conversations with prosecutors about what resolution may be appropriate, given the evidence. In this case, given the importance of the matter, I think unusual transparency is in order. Although there is evidence of potential violations of the statutes regarding the handling of classified information, our judgment is that no reasonable prosecutor would bring such a case. Prosecutors necessarily weigh a number of factors before deciding whether to bring charges. There are obvious considerations like the strength of the evidence, especially regarding intent. Responsible decisions also consider the context of a person's actions and how similar situations have been handled in the past. In looking back at our investigations into the mishandling or removal of classified information, we cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. All the cases prosecuted involved some combination of clearly intentional and willful mishandling of classified information or vast quantities of information exposed in such a way as to support an inference of intentional misconduct or indications of disloyalty to the United States or efforts to obstruct justice. We do not see those things here. All right, two points. That was James Comey. Now, he is saying, well, no reasonable prosecutors would ever bring charges. That was after the 13-minute indictment, or what seemingly was an indictment of Hillary. We all believe, wow, he's going to do the right thing because it's so transparent. Now, he kept saying intent and clearly intentional. No evidence it's clearly intentional. Is not putting a server in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet to to circumvent congressional oversight, is that— 
and and deleting 30,000 plus emails and lying about what the emails deleted were when she said some of them went to Bill Clinton, who doesn't email, and 30,000 plus emails on yoga, a wedding, and a funeral never made sense to anybody. Just like it was never a spontaneous demonstration in Benghazi. They just happened to have RPGs and mortars in their back pocket and decided to pull them out. And then on the previous point that the the FBI director was making, how it, it is wrong for the attorney general to assert the power and authority. It's wrong for the, the FBI director, rather, to assert the, the authority of the attorney general and announce the conclusion of a case that should be closed without prosecution. It's not his job. It's not his function, as this letter said yesterday from the Department of Justice, the office of the deputy attorney general. That is not his job. And the director should have said the FBI completed their investigation, presented their findings to federal prosecutors. And you hear him now in that tape earlier defending his decision by asserting the belief that Loretta Lynch, then attorney general, had a conflict. And as this memorandum that was put out says for the attorney general, the FBI director is never empowered to supplant in any case federal prosecutors and assume command of the Justice Department and as well-established processes for this an official step to take when there is a conflict of interest that would require the recusal of the attorney general. We continue with Joe DeGeneva, Victoria Tunsing, and in a minute we'll be joined by Jay Sekulow. Let's address both issues here. Is not the issue of intent, Victoria, proven by putting a server in a in a bathroom of a mom-and-pop shop? Is that not the intention, deleting 30-some-odd thousand emails? Is that not intention? Yes, uh, Sean, the, the intent, if there were an intent requirement in the statute, is fulfilled. But, strangely enough, Comey misstated the law. The law says gross negligence is the standard. There had, does not have to be a specific intent. Well, and he went on to the in, intent issue. Let me bring Shay Sekulow into this. Jay, my understanding of 18 U.S.C. 1924 is that even the unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents is in fact a felony in and of itself. The concealment and removal or mutilation is a felony itself, 18 U.S. Code 2071, or statements of entries generally. How many laws potentially, we've added up to 16, were violated by Hillary Clinton? Well, I think that's about right. I mean, I think I think there may be, but of those 16, there's also multiple counts. So each time there's a violation or each time a document was placed in an inappropriate situation or, or transferred to someone that didn't have authority to have it, those are independent violations. So what has to be looked at right now, and this is the position I've advocated from the beginning, is there, you know, there was no grand jury impaneled on this. There was never a grand jury impaneled. And that's what you have. Impanel a grand jury and get, get authority to investigate. And that's something that you thought had taken place, if I could remember correctly, Joe DeGeneva. Yes, uh, we initially thought that. And then we discovered that there had been no subpoenas issued, no search warrants. No one had been called to testify. And what you had was a Potemkin investigation. Comey wanted it to look like there was an investigation when, in fact, there wasn't one. 
they granted all these immunities to lawyers and witnesses who never should have gotten immunity under the circumstances which they did. You never do that in a legitimate criminal investigation. You never allow defense attorneys to represent more than one witness, subject, or target. Do you, do you ever let people created. destroy evidence like they did? Of course yeah. not. And have and allow compu- attorneys to destroy their computers and the contents of it. What, what you had here, Comey completely violated all of the rules and regulations for the conduct of criminal investigations. He did so with the complicity of people in the Department of Justice. He never raised an objection. He never went to the press about it. What, what you had was a guy interested in one thing. He wanted to be the hero and save Hillary Clinton. Well, let me go back to Victoria, and the this legal standard is gross negligence. And again, if special access program information ends up in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom server, and, and we've been confirmed 99.9% that five separate foreign intelligence agencies were able to glean from her top-secret emails, which has been widely reported, and the standard is gross negligence, and it's in a mom-and-pop shop bathroom closet— and the, pre- and the FBI director during that press conference went on to say, oh, yeah, there was a lot of carelessness. Can you please distinguish the difference between carelessness and gross negligence from a legal perspective? Uh, that would just be for the jury to decide. I mean, you would just lay out these facts as the prosecutor and say, you know, she knew when she set it up in her bathroom closet, you know, and it wasn't it wasn't protected. Um, she knew this, that, and the other. And she also, you would take the fact that she deleted some 30,000 emails, and you would put that together in front of the jury and say, was that gross negligence? But if the, if the FBI director, Jay, used the term as he did, extreme carelessness, Right. And the legal standard is gross negligence. That's the same. (laughs) That's exactly. So so the definition of gross negligence is extreme carelessness. But this was the problem with James Comey from the outset. He became this political animal, politician instead of a director of the FBI, and parse words to get to a result that he somehow thought was, you know, palatable, or at least more palatable. When the reality is what he did was set the entire department on a collision course with its own history. I mean, I, uh, Joe and Victoria have too. I mean, I, I, my, my beginning experience in my legal career, I was with Treasury and then ultimately served on the legal faculty for the Department of Justice. And this is so contrary to the way it is supposed to be. So this was self-inflicted on multiple fronts. Unfortunately, unfortunately, every situation that's developed, whether it's the cases I've been involved in, those IRS cases that we've talked about, none of those investigations done by the FBI were real. They were always faux investigation, false investigations from the outset. Can I ask a question to Joe? Why? And this was an unanswered question for me, and and my mind just spins around here. Why was Comey, there was an unanswered question about why he failed to explain how it was that the Democratic National Committee was allowed to deny the FBI access to their servers to investigate the allegations of hacking. And, And why didn't the FBI insist on it? And why do I think this would never happen to Jay, Joe, and Victoria and Sean Hannity? The the reason he did that was they didn't want to conduct a real investigation. This was a fake investigation. He wanted to exonerate her from the beginning. He was looking for ways to walk away from the case. They would ask people for things, and if they didn't get them, they moved on to something else. In a real investigation, when you ask for something and you don't get it, you issue a subpoena or you get a search warrant. He didn't do any of that. The, the, The Democrats defending him at this point 
are disgusting. This but listen, look, he didn't think they're doing upon this when he became FBI director in, in the last few years under Obama. Go back to when he was deputy attorney general, and he appointed his best buddy, Patrick Fitzgerald, to be the independent counsel for Scooter Libby. I mean, that and does say a lot, doesn't it? That says a lot. And, yep. that, and, and, and throughout that investigation, the, 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 Fitzgerald said to Libby's lawyers, just have him give us Cheney and this will all go away. That is such a witch hunt. You know, all these people, and I, I just, hmm. we've been on an emotional roller coaster. I want to get back to this concept of a two-tier justice system. Yep. We now know, and I have no doubt, does anybody on this line, Victoria, Jay Seculo, and, of course, your great husband, Victoria, a lot of people forget, Joe DeGeneva, do any of you disagree that the evidence is overwhelming and incontrovertible that Hillary Clinton committed felonies? Do we, any of you disagree based on what we know? We're reasonable yeah. prosecutors, and I think we all agree. Yep. All right, as we continue, final moments with Jay Sekulo and Joe DeGeneva, Victoria Tunsing. All right, I just asked all of you, there's no doubt in any of your minds that Hillary committed multiple felonies. The evidence is overwhelming and incontrovertible. Now the question is, where do we go from here? If America is going to have equal justice under the law, Joe DeGeneva, what should happen next? Get a great new FBI director like Ray Kelly working with a great new deputy attorney general, and we teach the public how it's supposed to be done. You have to, you have to start from scratch. You have to prove to people that you could be fair and unbiased. That's what you have to do. And you see how the left is reacting. That should be of no concern to anybody. None. No, the only concern is that the Republicans don't know how to fight back. They eat their own. But isn't this out of the Republicans' hands in this sense that now it should be in the hands of I'm career lost, law yeah. enforcement yeah. people? And well, yeah, the so messaging what, is also important, Sean, and the Republicans do not help in that regard. No, they're pathetic. I'm not yeah. disagreeing at all. No, I agree with Victoria on that and both of you on that. But here, here's what you do. I agree with Joe. We, you, number one, and it's, you've got a new – you'll get a new FBI director. You put some a new group in charge of this. You've got to start this. I said this on your broadcast last night. Start from scratch. Start these investigations over not just this one, too, the IRS investigation. I'd include in that. So start it from the beginning, impanel a grand jury, get some lawyers inside the agency that are both on the Department of Justice side and the FBI side that are dedicated just to this and bring it to conclusion. Take it, as we used to say, we go where the evidence leads. That needs to be returned as the standard. Uh, I agree with all of you. I'm not sure that that's ever going to happen, and that's the frightening part of all of this. All right, guys, I really appreciate all of you being with us. I think it's probably, it's almost bordering on a constitutional crisis now for the country and whether or not we will have equal justice under the law and whether or not the we have a two-tier justice system for the Clintons versus everybody, uh, else. everybody else, the rest <laughs> of us. Right. By the way, right. I, I need to hire all three of you to get out of any trouble with, with James Comey. Yeah. <laughs> You won't have to get in, but you're not going to get in trouble with James Comey. So that's the good news. Yeah, no, that's true. And yeah, there you go. And, and but I'd still hire all three of you anyway. But there anyway, you uh, right. thank our you pleasure. all for being with us. Thanks, John. Eight hundred nine four one. Sean is our toll free telephone number. All right, we're going to have more on the firing of James Comey. The heads of Democrats spinning, you know, whiffs of fascism being talked on about on NBC, which is beyond despicable and disgusting. Also going to get into the House Budget Committee issue with uh, Chairman Diane Black and. We'll talk a little bit about that. Then we're going to get to your calls, 800-941-SEAN, on this and all the other issues of the day. Full reporting tonight. You won't get anywhere else in the media. 10 Eastern on Hannity.
All right, news roundup and information overload hour on the Sean Hannity Show. Our top story remains the president firing James Comey last night. And we've gone over all the reasons. We won't reiterate them now. If you haven't heard them, it'll come out in the course of this conversation. Former Speaker of the House, Fox News contributor Newt Gingrich is with us. Uh, You were great last night. I thought your explanation was extraordinarily precise. And I think we we have an altered universe, altered reality that has emerged between the bizarre conspiracy left that has, you know, come up with tinfoil hat conspiracy one after another on this. And those of us that embrace truth and reality and the concept of equal justice under the law and that the Constitution of the United States matters. Well, look, I mean, a couple of simple questions for our friends on the left. Uh, the guy who wrote the memo that I think forced the decision, uh, Rosenstein, um, was accepted by the Senate 94 to 6 two weeks ago. Now, what's changed? I mean, not, two weeks ago they thought he was the right guy to be deputy attorney general, the number two person in the Justice Department, by 94 to 6, only very left-wing Democrats voted no. Um, President Obama thought enough of him to make him the U.S. attorney for Maryland. So the real fight here, and I think, frankly, the president muddled it some by having by putting in a paragraph about Russia in the letter he sent coming, because the real, the real fight here is between Rosenstein and the Democrats. Rosenstein is a career professional in the Justice Department. I think he was asked by the Attorney General to review the state of the FBI and the state of Comey, and he came back, and and the the key phrase was he did not think you could rebuild the FBI as long as Comey was there. Well, that's, that's a pretty devastating comment. Now, I think as a guy who suddenly jumped from U.S. Attorney to the number two person of justice, he's probably a little shocked at the, at the impact that his memo had. But that is the job he's in. He's, you know, he's the number two guy in all of the Justice Department, which includes the FBI as a part of it. Uh, and, it, you know, I take, I take it as word that this is the memo he wrote and that he meant it. Well, it's obvious that, that he meant it. And you're right on giving the political side of this that so many in the media have ignored here. But there are some very, very fundamental things that have not been followed up on. I just had three very bright lawyers, you know them all, on in the last hour. Jay Seculo, Joe DeGeneva, and Victoria Tunsing. They say, I asked them all, is it, do you believe incontrovertible, overwhelming amounts of evidence exist that Hillary Clinton committed multiple felonies? They have no doubt in their mind whatsoever. If you go back to the press conference of James Comey and he spent 13 minutes laying out what sounded like a closing argument justifying her indictment and then said multiple times that she was guilty of extreme carelessness, the legal verbiage on this is gross negligence. He basically laid out the case that she's guilty and then decided not to prosecute her. Now, I don't know how to interpret that any other way except to say is that he's politicizing the Justice Department, in this case, the FBI. Well, it's worse than that, because it's quite clear, as uh, Clinton's former Attorney General Holder said, uh, that he violated the rules of, of, of the system, because let's, let's be clear here. Uh, it's, it's not the authority of the FBI director to make this decision about prosecution. That's, that's, a, that's a decision that ought to be made by the 
Justice Department attorneys, uh, there's a very clear distinction between investigation and prosecution for very good reason. Uh, and Comey was taking on himself the, the usurping the power of the attorney general. And, you, and, and, there, and by the way, there's a procedure so because, because uh, the attorney general member has sort of gotten herself in a little bit of a mess by meeting in private with Bill Clinton. And so there was some controversy about what she was doing. But there's a clear procedure that says if the attorney general for some reason can't make this, there are other people in the Justice Department above the FBI who make that decision. So Comey should have kept his mouth shut, turned all the evidence over to some attorney above him, and then they had to make the decision. But instead, he decided he would not only make the decision, which wasn't his to make, but he would hold a press conference explaining it. And I agree with you. He, I mean, I, I remember sitting watching with our team uh, that press conference, and I every every inch of the way for the first 11 minutes, I thought, wow, he's, he's explaining the indictment. And then for him to pivot like that was just like you couldn't figure out what was what was he trying to do. If you look at the standard of gross negligence and you look at the U.S. Code, uh, starting with 18 U.S. Code 793, um, it doesn't even require knowing or intentional disclosure of mishandling of classified information. It prohibits the gross negligence. He used the term, as I just said, extreme carelessness i don't i don't know if there's any technical definition to any of that it sounds like bill clinton parsing words or the unauthorized removal and retention of classified documents or materials well that's a violation of law and in fact we know she set up a a private email server concealment removal mutilation generally well we know that she in fact even destroyed some classified documents that's a felony you know, we know that gathering or transmitting or losing defense information, well, that's a felony, too. We know the disclosure of classified information, that happened, that's 798. Well, she's guilty of that, unauthorized disclosure of information, an unclassified felony. I mean, we, we have identified 16 separate felonies she could have committed here, and he just made the determination that the law will not apply to her. Well, there's a very simple test. If you go out and look at young people in the military, young people at the CIA, etc., who make very small mistakes by comparison. You mean like Christian Saucier? She took six pictures in a submarine, got a year in jail. Right. And you look at that sort of thing and you realize that's the penalties they paid. Then you look at the scale of what she did. I mean, it is absolutely inconceivable. This, This doesn't even get you into the relationships with Russia and all the different things that the Clinton Foundation... Just her direct relationship to secrets uh, and Huma Abedin's relationship to secrets, for any non-political figure, they would probably have gone to jail. And as you look at this stuff, and, 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 but, but, but I want to go back and emphasize, without relitigating the Clinton case, the, the challenge for the, for the president is to, is to get everyone to focus on the Rosenstein letter because it is definitive, it is conclusive, it includes a number of quotes from Democrats and Republicans who are uh, veterans of the Justice Department. You cannot read that letter and not conclude that firing Comey was absolutely essential and that, that it was the right thing to do. Let us go to all of the Democrats that had 
a crisis in confidence as it relates to James Comey. Chuck Schumer said he had lost faith in James Comey back in November. I don't have confidence in him any longer, he said. Maybe he's not right. Maybe he's not in the right job, Pelosi said, uh, or any other number of Democrats saying similar things. And now all of a sudden, yeah, both sides of the aisle, something that they otherwise would otherwise agree on, except now they're politicizing it. Oh, he never should have fired James Comey when they were asking for it themselves. Well, particularly if it was just two weeks ago, uh, Secretary Clinton herself was on TV saying that Comey was one of the two major reasons she lost. Uh, so you have to wonder, wait, wait, if she actually believes the director of the FBI was a major part of why she lost, why wouldn't she be glad that he's finally getting fired? Yeah, well, you know, and the other issue that we've got to deal with here, and this is very important, I honestly believe, that I think we know on issues like this why talk radio hosts and the Fox News channel is under such fire and people want to run us into the ground and get us out of business because... Clapper, Comey, Admiral Rogers all confirmed and have shot down this narrative that has existed since prior to the election that the Trump campaign and then later the Trump transition somehow coordinated with the Russians. And there's been no evidence whatsoever presented, sir. And every day, every night, this is what we hear, the American people hear. Well, you have to remember, the the elite media and the hard left are in agreement that Trump is wrong. They're not sure what the topic is, but they know Trump is wrong. I I said earlier today that if Trump came out this afternoon and said that the flag was red, white, and blue, a number of them would would say, no, no, it's fuchsia. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You can't, you know. It's it's just pathological. They are still in such a rage over the very fact that he won. And, of course, when he appoints conservative Supreme Court justices, and he takes very strong positions on a range of issues, and he pull, and he uh, reverses a number of regulations and all the stuff he's doing, it just makes the left crazier. And uh, that's a part of what you're seeing in the left, of course, includes the New York Times and the Washington Post. And, and, and there was another thing which a reporter pointed out to me today that I hadn't thought about. This was sprung on the press so suddenly last night that part of the anger is, how dare you do something without telling us first? Without leaking. Without leaking. In fact, my, it was very funny. I was talking to a reporter and, uh, about this. And by the way, I'm so sorry to hear that, but go ahead. No, no. At the very moment that my, my sister, uh, Susan, wrote me a note saying, I'm so glad they kept it confidential so there were no leaks. And I said, yeah. we're in the middle of talking about the anger of the press corps. And I said, well, actually... But my sister, that made her really happy because you guys didn't know at first. I, and, I, I, uh, I think there is really a lot, a lot of, a lot of truth to that. Uh, but we'll take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue with the former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. All right, as we continue with former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich, who's with us, our top story remains the president firing at James Comey. We spent an awful lot of time talking about just really the email server scandal, but there's bigger scandals out there. I mean, we know we were lied about in Benghazi, but and and I don't think you can have a spontaneous demonstration where people just pull mortars out of their back pocket. I mean, the the degree of lying on a regular basis has been somewhat overwhelming and nobody ever calls the Clintons out. But the bigger question to me is why isn't the Clinton Foundation mentioned in this sense or we don't know any we don't even know if it was investigated. We learned this week that Sally Yates 
was never asked by James Comey about the one crime we know that was committed as it relates to unmasking and surveillance and leaking intelligence, and that was General Flynn. She was never asked one time by the FBI director. And I think the bigger issue here is when you have 20 percent of American uranium assets that Hillary Clinton as Secretary of State has to sign off on, that all the people around that deal in Canada end up donating millions of dollars to their foundation. Her husband doubles his speaking fee in Moscow, and they're enriching themselves personally and and through their foundation. That, to me, the fact that that was never investigated that we know of is is mind-numbing because it's such an obvious quid pro quo. You know, it's it's unbelievable. When I first read Peter Schweitzer's book on Clinton Cash, and I looked at the scale of it, whether you're talking about Haiti, you're talking about Russia, you're talking about African arms dealers, I mean— it just went on and on and on. And I thought to myself at the time, you know, how is the news media going to avoid digging into this? But the truth is they, they would never close the loop. They would never say, you know, all of this money. I mean, there's, there's a Canadian operation which was involved in the uranium for Russia, which has, under Canadian rules, the ability to keep, keep its donation secret. And, and every time you turn around, they would have found some other loophole that was unbelievable. And that's just the nature of the Clinton operation. I mean, it is uh, inevitably shady. I mean, I don't know what they'll do now that they're out of power, because it's also very clear. You know, Bill doubled his speech fees after she became Secretary of State. They they used the potential of her becoming president as, as a as, as a way to raise money. Now, my understanding is that the donations have just collapsed in terms of the foundation. Um, and I think that... Uh, it's really very strange, and it's very strange that the justice system tried to very carefully define what it was looking at, uh, when in fact the whole story was screaming for an investigation. But frankly, it's also true of the Republican Congress. I've never understood why we have not had more thorough investigations. And if they want to have a look at Russian influence, they could start with the half million dollars to Bill Clinton from a Russian bank. They could start with uh, the, the fact that uh, the campaign chairman's brother represented a Russian bank as a registered foreign agent. They could start with the uranium deal that you've explained so often. I mean, we could have a really good Russian influence set of hearings, and you'd never get beyond the Clintons. It really is bizarre, and in spite of everybody saying there's no evidence of collusion, the media keeps running with that story. I think we're living in really strange, bizarre times that I don't think any of us ever anticipated, and I always thought that it couldn't get worse after the way the media treated you, and boy, was I wrong. And um, anyway, you have a brand-new book coming out, uh, former Speaker of the House. This book is called Understanding Trump. Uh, We have it up on Hannity.com. And it's on Amazon.com, and uh, the book comes out in a couple of weeks. And uh, congratulations already. It's a a bestseller. Well, thank you, and I look forward to being with you tonight. All right, we'll see you tonight. Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich. When we come back, we'll continue more on our top story, the president firing James Comey. Also, we'll get into the latest on Republicans and spending and the economic plan of the president and health care and much, much more as we check in with the House Budget Committee chairwoman, Diane Black. That's next. Jeffrey Tubin, our senior legal analyst. Jeffrey, this is an extraordinary moment in American history. You bet it is, Wolf, and it's a grotesque abuse of power by the president of the United States. This is the kind of thing that goes on in non-democracies. And he was just fired by the White House. This doesn't happen in the United States, except on October 20th, 1973, when Richard Nixon filed Archibald Cox. 
they are trying to bully their way through the fact that the president of the United States has removed someone uh, at will who was is in charge of an investigation that could lead to treason. Okay. And there we are. I stopped listening to Kellyanne Conway when the president fired the guy investigating the campaign for colluding with the Russians of foreign power. And she wants to compare that to some drinking game here in Washington. Again, disdain for the presidency. This is bigger than Trump. It's bigger than Kellyanne Conway. It's about America. It's about protecting our institutions. They apparently don't care about that. That's what their disdain shows in their answers tonight. You know, people have said from the White House tonight, some of the talking points that you were starting to utter, that in fact Hillary Clinton... I don't have done the same thing. Point. Oh, I don't know. Well, it sounded very similar to what Kelly and Conway said when you interrupted me. When the wife, I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm speaking. You will have your chance. You've been brought on. You'll have plenty of opportunity. I think a lot of people around the country right now are concerned that the only winner, the only people who've got to be happy tonight are sitting in the Kremlin. This is the result of letting someone like Putin throw marbles on the stairs banana peels on the sidewalk for American democracy and not having the president stand up and say, you know what, I want this to stop. Now calls for a special prosecutor to take over the Russia investigation. Democrats compare this to Watergate. Some congressional Democrats compared President Trump to Richard Nixon, who ordered the firing of the Watergate scandal's independent prosecutor. And put this into context for us, because some are comparing this to Watergate. Well, uh, it's understandable that people are comparing it to Watergate, because, of course, what happened there is that President Nixon fired the special prosecutor because he was getting too close. And, uh, and here we have the president firing the head of the FBI. A little whiff of fascism tonight, I think it's fair to say. Absolutely. A little, wish, a, a little whiff of, I don't care about the law, I'm the boss. On the bombshell meter, where does this rate? This is huge. The letter doesn't sound true from the DOJ because it's not true. This pension for firing people who defy his will, when people refuse to sort of fall into line, and this is what should send a chill, and this is what should wake up every Republican who thinks that it's okay to go along. On the one hand, the White House is saying, this is all about the Hillary Clinton email right. investigation. And Trump's own letter betrays the fact that it is, in fact, about Russia. The fact that they thought that they could turn the page on Russia by removing the head of the FBI while the FBI is investigating Russia simply guarantees that what was once a Kleeglite focus will now be a burning focus. DOJ is trying to create neutral reasons that have nothing to do with Russia. And Donald Trump, in writing that sentence that he clearly couldn't hold back on, is raising his own potential criminal liability. If you care about having a truly non-political FBI director, you must now have an FBI director that promises to get to the bottom of that investigation between Trump's orbit and Russia. And you must now have a special process, an independent... I don't know how you avoid it. How does NBC get away with these phrases, a whiff of fascism? Just like everything in the Obama years, Mr. Obama-gasm thrill up his leg, Chris Matthews. You know, everything was a dog whistle. If you dared to disagree with Obama, this represents NBC News in the country. The tinfoil hat conspiracy brigade over at NBC and CNN and the New York Times. It never ends. I, I, I never knew how right I really was when I said journalism is dead. That America is in the midst of a major informational crisis in the country. House Budget Committee Chairman Diane Black. I'm not trying to drag her into this, but uh, we're here to talk about other issues. Uh, Diane, thank you for being with us. But let me get first your reaction not only to the media, but also to the president, who I think has very solid ground and did the right thing because 
clearly laws were violated and not pursued like they would be, I think, every other American by the FBI director. Well, Sean, you're exactly right. I still can't believe that President Obama didn't fire him last year. He clearly showed that he believed that Hillary Clinton was above the law. We cannot have our FBI director um, in that situation where the American people have lost their confidence. And so now we see that President Trump is having to clean up a lot of President Obama's messes uh, and take action when President Obama just wouldn't take action. Well, I, I mean, this is the point. And everything from Benghazi, a, a series of lies, nobody spontaneously had mortars in their back pocket, or the email server scandal. I mean, to watch the FBI director lay out a case that sounded as good as a closing argument, admit that extreme carelessness took place, the legal standard is gross negligence, there's no distinction or, or difference, um, is is beyond the pale. Then we have the whole Clinton Foundation scandal. Then we have General Flynn. The one guy, the one law we know that was broken was the Espionage Act as he was unmasked and the surveillance and intelligence was leaked to the press. That's a that's a felony. Well, so much of this was already public and now we're getting underneath and finding uh, finding out more and more about what really was happening under the Obama administration and I think there's even more to come. I don't think we will be surprised that when we dig uh, further down in and we see the kinds of things that were happening there in the administration, it was a mess. And we finally have a president that's willing to get in there and dig into it and attempt to straighten this out. Yeah. All right. Let me move on to some other issues. We've been talking about this for the better part of the day here today. You are the House Budget Committee chairman now. And I I think it's very important that the president's economic plan get done. I know that you said on health care we've got to do better. I do like it. It's the beginning of the end. There are about 100 moderate Republicans that obviously did not want to go down the, the road and the difficult road of complete repeal and replace, although there are parliamentary challenges in the Senate that had to be factored in, and I, I offer that as as some idea. But it's certainly the waivers certainly will pave the way for more free market competition to drive down some of the price of 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 these policies that people have. And and I certainly like the discretionary ability, for example, to defund Planned Parenthood by the Health and Human Secretary uh, uh, price. So I think there are some good things in there, and it's a matter of what the Senate does next, right? It is. And Sean, I, I say this all the time in my district, and I'll make this very clear. I'm a nurse, and I want to take care of patients. And what I've seen is a health care system um, that is just imploding. And we hear every day on the phone, we hear it when we're out in the district, people are saying, please help us. Well, we've got 16 counties in the eastern part of Tennessee that don't even have a provider on the exchange any longer. If Obamacare was working, then we wouldn't have to be doing the kinds of things we're doing. But it's obvious. We knew it wouldn't work. It was tried here in my own state of Tennessee in a program called Tencare, which was Hillary Clinton's idea of the beginning of a single-payer system. It didn't work here. It's what brought me to Congress. And we're seeing it imploding. It's nothing that the Republicans are doing. It's the bill was not um, – it, it didn't have a foundation to begin with. And we knew it would implode. And I think actually the past administration knew that this would implode at some point in time and realized that it would start imploding after they got out and they could try to blame it on Republicans. But this started long before uh, the President Trump even came into office. Okay, so at the end of the day, do you see this getting over the finish line, the House and Senate passing their respective bills on health care? 
and then getting into conference and coming to some type of agreement? And do you see the trillion dollars as a very important foundational aspect of the president's economic plan? I do, all of those things. And I think that the Senate has an opportunity to make some changes. Hopefully they will make some changes for the better. Um, It is not clear at this point in time what those changes will be, but I think we may end up in a conference committee. Uh, This is the way our our founding fathers meant it to work, is that it's not always pretty when the sausage is being made, but it tastes good at the end of the day. And if we can rescue the American people and and actually get them some um, policies that are more patient-centered, something that they want, something they can afford, that's really where we should be going and putting the free market back in there. So I'm looking forward to that. Of course, uh, the tax reform is something that I came to Congress uh, on my campaign and hope that we can uh, get that done as well this year. We're working very hard on the budget committee to get a budget that will be passed in both the House and the and the Senate, and then we can well, put some reconciliation on there. Congresswoman, a lot of conservatives I know, though, are angry Republicans, always fearing being blamed for a government shutdown on the continuing resolution, didn't fight for, for example, funding the border wall or defunding Planned Parenthood, although I am pretty confident that Secretary Price will handle that on his end through his discretionary mm-hmm. powers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't vote for the appropriations bill, and people got that confused because they said, if you're the budget chair, why did you vote against your budget? And you and I both know it's very confusing when you start talking about budgets and appropriations to people that aren't part of the process. It's confusing. But I felt like uh, the bill spent too much money. It did a bailout for uh, Puerto Rico, which I didn't vote for the last time, and I didn't vote for this time. We have got to get our fiscal house in order, and as budget chair, I'll continue to talk about that. Yeah. Well, what about now, where do the Republicans go Because I like the president's economic plan. The president continues with eliminating 75 percent of regulations, I mean, to help, for example, even the energy energy industry alone, Uh, your neighboring state, Kentucky, uh, the coal miners in this country. If we get to do fracking and drilling and on all of the above energy strategy with the hope that in natural gas production, that we can become energy independent as quickly as possible. If we do that, we end burdensome regulation. We get a 15 to 17 percent corporate tax rate, and we allow the repatriation of trillions. If we do all of those things, seven brackets to three, a middle-class tax cut, I think that is a prescription for significant economic growth. Do you agree? Can you get all these things done if you do? And number three, what percent GDP growth would you expect if it happens and when? Well, we do expect that, and we know with macroeconomics, it, it, they will tell us, economists will tell us, that, and it's pretty much, much across the board, whether they're conservative or they're more centrist, um, even some of them that are more liberal will admit that when you have more money in the economy, you grow the economy, which means there's more jobs created and more products that are, that are bought and produced. And so it's a very exciting thing to think that we have this opportunity. GDP, you will see CBO says a growth rate of about 1.9%. Um, we have some other economists that are giving us opinions outside of Congress, um, some conservative, some more moderate. We'll be taking a measure on this. It is very measured. Uh, we're not going to go to the highest, but we recognize that there is more economic growth than even what the CBO has given us. They're very conservative. So we're excited about this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity, not since 1986 and President Reagan, uh, were we able to get tax reform, and look what happened during that point in time. So it's an exciting time for us in Congress, and we need to take advantage of having both the House and the Senate and a president that will sign our bills and get this done. 
All right. Thank you so much, Congresswoman. The House Budget Committee Chairwoman, Diane Black, Tennessee, the 6th District there. Uh, how close is your district to Marsha Blackburn? We like Marsha a lot on the show. Uh, well, we touch uh, all the way around Nashville and Middle Tennessee. Uh, we share the Middle Tennessee area, and then right in the middle we have a Democrat. <laughs> but we, we are very close, Marsha and I are. I appreciate you being with us, Congresswoman. Wish you the best You're of luck. Right. We'll watch you closely. 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program, we'll go to Houston, Texas. Kate in Houston, KTRH, what's going on? How are you? Sean, you got to help me. i got to get a couple of things off my chest, but I am so fired up about all of this. You should be. So, I know, this is insane. So, I know that we always talk about the fact, or you always say, that journalism is dead, and I 100% agree with you, but I have a little place where I disagree with you, and then I want to talk about why I disagree, but I disagree that they are lazy. The reason why I disagree with that is because of case in point for the past 24 hours. It is a purposeful, intentional, deceitful, devious, thing that these guys continue to collude in doing and carrying these narratives and it's that's not lazy that takes effort so i just think you are totally right 100 percent on that but i just can't agree that they are lazy because they're the most deluded most ridiculous group of people are american media case in point this whole flip-flop on comey i watched you all tonight it was Awesome. Your coverage was amazing. Great lineup. Coverage was commercial-free. I was 100% on. But I went ahead and switched over because I was like, oh, I wonder what I'm saying. So I watched CNN. Did you watch any of that? Did you have a chance to see any of the clips of these crazy people? Hey, Kate, I prefer not to suffer through (laughs) ignorance and tinfoil conspiracy theories and madness. Now, I I just, you know. You have to say. Well, listen, I know. Well, I've got to run, and I wish I had more time. i got to tell you something. We're not kidding when we say we are the only ones giving out news and information. You're not going to get anywhere else. And we'll do this tonight, a very important opening monologue. But I appreciate you being with us 100,000%. Thank you, Kate. Looking for fake news? You won't find it here. You're with Sean Hannity. On the air now. Now. All right, that's going to wrap things up for today. Please do not miss our opening monologue on Hannity tonight. We're going to take on the truth the media won't give you. We'll take on the left, the Democrats, members of the mainstream media, Congress, absolutely losing it with their tinfoil hat conspiracies. And, of course, the president is firing back against this criticism. And, you know, the Democratic hypocrisy is on full parade. We'll have full coverage tonight. The great one, Mark Levin, with a rare television appearance tonight. Newt Gingrich will join us tonight. We'll look at all these unhinged late-night hosts and how they reacted last night. And, by the way, Stephen Colbert's audience started cheering. Then Colbert said, huge, huge Donald Trump fans here tonight. Because they didn't know what had actually happened from their political perspective. Michelle Malkin tonight, also Sebastian Gorka tonight, and Jay Sekulow, Geraldo Rivera tonight. 10 Eastern, see you back here tomorrow. We'll see you tonight at 10.
More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos' picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Jack Armstrong. He's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. We cover the stories the mainstream media ignores. The stories that are important to your life and important to the world. The election, of course. The many trials of Donald Trump. Couple of wars. Gender-bending madness. Why are kids looking at so much social media? And we bring you the stories the mainstream media is on. But we do it without the left-wing media spin. Listen to Armstrong and Getty On Demand on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Armstrong and Getty Show to start listening.